0: Welcome to the Nourishing Place podcast. My name is Kelly Newton. You may also know me as the Earth and Spirit Witch. I am here to support the collective in reconnecting with spirit, healing from the inside out, and bridging the gap between the spiritual and physical realms. I will be bringing you interviews, tools, chats, and resources designed to empower you on your personal expansion and transformation journey. I am so excited and grateful that you tuned in today. Let's get started. Today I have Marcus Downs on the podcast again for part two and if you missed part one Marcus tells us about embracing his queerness and what it was like growing up for him in a conservative Christian household to embodying his life as a gay man living in Washington DC leaving Christianity as he grew up with it and leaning into spirituality and today Marcus and I are chatting about our experiences and learning to love our body where it is at in the in this moment, leaning into body neutrality and positivity, we will both be asking questions as we dive into this vast topic, sharing some of our personal stories along the way.
1: Marcus, welcome. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me back.
0: Well, this is a big topic, so we'll see where it goes as we have <laughs> a loose, loose, loose outline, basically with just the idea of let's start with society's norms and like what that experience was like for us. You want to start?
1: Sure. Um, so I feel like a good kind of overview is we are all taught so many things from society, from media, from everywhere, basically about what our body, what our bodies are supposed to look like, what we're supposed to be like. Um, Brene Brown, our you know our favorite kind of sums this up as um, expectations that are placed on us from a really early age, where men are supposed to be strong and tough and hard and. Um, unwilling to express any kind of feelings except for you know anger um, or disdain for any kind of softness and then women on the other hand are supposed to be small and quiet and um, not show any signs of struggle and perfect in a lot of ways but not show how hard it is to be perfect Um, and so I feel like those are playing on us from a really early age Um, but then I feel like As I've moved into the gay world, there are also so many gay body standards um, where you're supposed to be, you know, like white and fit and thin or if not thin, then perfectly chiseled with a six pack and um, those aren't realistic either. And so I feel like there are a lot of body standards placed on us all the time um, that we are constantly having to fight against. Um, And that's also not to mention, you know, able-bodied versus um, people with disabilities Um, and those kind of standards as well, where, you know, I recently had knee surgery. So that changed the whole relationship I had with my body as well. Um, So, again, the relationship with the body is a constant, um, constantly changing dynamic that we have to be aware of. So yeah, I feel like, um, as I said, there are a lot of expectations placed on men and women. And again, all there are people who don't identify as either, but um, society mainly recognizes men and women and doesn't really recognize people who don't identify as such, Um, which isn't to say that they don't exist because they do and their presence is valuable and necessary. But again, that's that. Anyways. Over to you. What are, what, what are kind of the thoughts, beliefs, societal norms that you've internalized, you think?
0: Well, and I mean, when we say we've internalized, what have I recognized and healed from in that sense or released to a point? Cause I think yes. healing is not linear and things can come back up as well. I think mm-hmm. growing up, I saw a lot of women in particular hiding their bodies in photos, um, talking about their weight, talking about other people's weight, making comments about how, Oh, she's wearing something and she has big arms. I could never do that. Um, comments like that, but especially like hiding, like hiding in photos. Um, let me be in the back. Let me, whatever. I still, yes. I still see that and feel that, um, instead of just allowing ourselves to be seen as who we are with our body, whatever shape it takes. Um, so that was there. And then a lot of people like who grew up, I was born in 88. So grew growing up in the nineties, early two thousands, there was, it was very, a lot about thinness, very, very thin people were in magazines. Also it was mostly white people that you would see in magazines too. So again, like that's a whole, like just white people, you know, thin white women. Um, and for me, I think and I don't know where this came from, but I think a lot also, it does connect with like sex as well and who were supposed to be in sex or like as women, like, like a sexy virgin, I don't know, kind of comes to mind. Yes, It's like, also like a sexy girl. I don't know, like, like that kind of like infantilizing. That's a whole subject in itself. And I'm sure it's going to come up in this because I do think that that's our body. I mean, you know, sex is something that we do with our body as well. And so there was a lot of things around that. And for me, I don't even know how I fully internalized those things. But when I was 19, 20 years old, um, fairly newly sexually active with my partner, um, I developed a bladder condition and then subsequently later a vaginal condition. And a lot of that is from, I, I wasn't taught to go pee when I, after I had sex, like sex wasn't really talked about. So sex was a shaming thing. Sex was bad. So God, this could be the whole topic of this episode, but (laughs) growing up, that's again, that's, so that means like something's wrong with our body. I also, so with that getting the pain during sex, then I would felt, I felt less than as going into my like sexual life. Well, I have pain during sex. Who's going to want to be with me. This is a pain in the ass. I must be a pain in the ass. So that all started very young, but even before that, going back to like, uh, girls, um, or people with periods inner cycles starting, I think that was at that point where I really disconnected from my body because of how my family had reacted to the start of my menstrual cycle, um, which wasn't a great experience and that's when I was like my body betrayed me and that was where I embodied this belief that my body betrayed me and then my body continued in my mind which isn't true special little body but my body continued to betray me as I grew up as I stepped into my sexuality and started you know being intimate with people and then the pain came and all these things and I'm thinking my body has betrayed me and my body's not able to do this and then even now I know you had brought up like you had you know a recent surgery And that shifted the connection with your body this past year-ish, I have been dealing with a lot of pain in my body and trying to navigate that as well. And what that means about me, it means nothing about me. It means nothing about who I am. It's just something that my body is experiencing, but I can be my body's best friend or I can be my body's enemy. And so this relationship is really about, and even this conversation is about developing that friendship with your body that you're, for me, it's almost like we're two parts and we're coming together.
1: Does that make sense? Oh, hundred percent. I feel like that's such a such an important takeaway. Is that you're? This is a part of you that is going to be with you your entire life, and so it's up to you to decide what that means and what that relationship is going to be like. And so I feel like it's such a strong moment when we can flip the script and be like, "No, I'm going to love my body." Um, in all ways, shapes, and forms that it comes and all the things it does for me or doesn't do for me, it's important that I am able to love my body through that. Um, And on the days when, you know, my ego or my brain is really strong, my anxiety is strong, and it's coming through, and I am not wanting to love my body, at the very least, I can be body neutral and not throw all of this, you know, shame, guilt, anger, um, disappointment, and what my body is I can just love it or I can accept it for what it is able to do for me in that moment.
0: Right. Or at the very least, like you're saying, just be neutral, not not throw the anger at it, not throw the shame. And it's interesting too, because I think within that, there is this, within those societal norms, there's this pressure. Like I have to be doing something actively to make my body better, to make my body be healed or to make my body feel good or whatever it looked good right I have to be eating a certain way I have to be um exercising a certain way I need to be following all these programs to or for me a lot of it is like what what should I be doing to get rid of this pain I need to get rid of this pain right now what if I'm in pain for the rest of my life and it's all these fear-mongering thoughts and I totally get future projected full-on anxiety right like what does it mean about me? I'm, I failed my body because I didn't learn to go pee after sex. And then I had this and then it developed into these conditions and I did something wrong. Right. And so, right. So it's like, no, releasing that shame. There's nothing that you have to do. There's nothing that you have to change about your body at all in order to develop a, a loving relationship with it.
1: Yes. I feel like that's, we are human beings. We are not human doings. Like, <laughs> huge, huge. Um, And so I feel like that was a big healing um, process for me or kind of healing thing I did is I would just spend time naked with my body. Um, Whether that meant, yeah, just lying down or um, doing things around my house. Like I would close all the blinds. So of course I wasn't giving any free shows. Um, And then I would just like walk around, do chores around my house naked, um, just kind of accepting this is what my body can do for me um or be for me um my body i i don't have to put any kind of external judgment or thoughts about it my body just is and so yes. i feel like that was huge for me to just be able to accept it in all of its naked glory um not only for you know being able to love my body but also for the purposes of sex Um, for the purpose of being able to give myself pleasure. The fact that I could accept my body naked as it was without having to put any judgment on it made sex so much pleasurable because I wasn't thinking about, oh, what is my body looking like in this position? What is my body, um, you know, what about that one zit that I have on that one spot? Are is this person going to notice? Is this going to change the way that they feel about me? Blah, 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 that whole cycle. Mm -hmm. If I'm allowed to just fully embrace and sit in that nakedness then that allows me to really like embrace mindfully this present moment and really enjoy everything that I'm able to you know be and do. And I think right. that was huge for sex.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, I totally. Well, you know, what's so interesting too is when you're talking about that, I'm just thinking about when I was growing up again as like a early teen, um I worked at this little ta- like a tailor shop where they were doing sewing and things and this woman was in there so again, just the little things that come into her mind. Someone was in there. Yeah, I couldn't tell you how old she was, but she was married and um, she made a comment about how her husband never sees her naked. And I must've had a look of shock on my face or something. And she was like, um, like, oh, you think that now or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, her husband never sees her naked. Like that made me sad even as like a kid. And I didn't know why or what that meant. Now I can totally see why and I've heard it more. But I love being naked. I was naked all the time. I think that at first my husband was kind of freaked out. Why is this woman naked all the time in our apartment? Right. Um, and it, you know, it shifts as as our kids moved in with us, it was like, oh my God, I can't be naked. Can I even sleep naked? Is that okay? You know what I mean? Just a disclaimer, yes, I sleep in the nudes. That's now, you know. <laughs> but um and my husband doesn't, and that's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like that's okay because whatever people are comfortable with is what they should do. Um, I don't think he'll care, but I shared that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's also fun to see, for me to see my partner, you know, growing and expanding with what he's comfortable with and with what I'm comfortable with. And um, I just, I do like being naked. I, I never thought about it as this way to be like a way to show my body love, just to be safe with it. I remember in doing yoga for like the first time in my late teens, early 20s, maybe, and seeing my body in different shapes, seeing yes. how my body looked when my skin, went to moved a different way or how my stomach looked and thinking it was really cool
1: to see it yes. that way. Yeah. I think that's so valuable too. I've also done similar like yoga naked or just workouts naked. And I feel like that is so valuable too, because you see that like, when when you are posing, when you were, you know, fitting your body to look a certain way, you can make it look amazing in the mirror. But when it is doing things for you, it's going to have rolls, it's going to have wrinkles, it's going to have all kinds of things, and it's not going to look quote unquote. Well, which perfect. can
0: still look amazing. Like yes, you know what I mean. Yes.
1: Exactly. A hundred percent. And so I feel like being able to do those things and be like, Wow, this is cool. This is my body. My body looks so amazing and is doing so many amazing things and being amazing right now.
0: And I think that even connects to like word choice, right? Like what we're, what has been impressed upon us is especially, I don't, I think for women, maybe for men too, but is a flat stomach and yes. a flat womb space and our bodies don't change and women should stay the same size as they are since they're teens, even as they grow and maybe they have children, maybe they don't, but our bodies are meant to change. They're always going to change. And this like pressure to bounce back or to whatever. I even, I remember I was, I don't know, maybe nineteen twenty again. I don't know all this like integral time. I was on birth control. And if you've taken birth control, uh, you may know that your body weight can fluctuate. Um, and I was maybe like, I don't like five, three 120 pounds. Like I was a fairly small woman and my boyfriend at the time, um, but my body, again, was fluctuating with my with my birth control. And he said to me, oh, it's your birth control? I just thought it was all the licorice you were eating. As an in indicating that my body was less than because of the weight that I was carrying um, around my womb. And I say weight that I was carrying. I mean, that's the thing is it's like in, like in his mind what I needed to be five pounds lighter or something. I don't know. It was a weird conversation. But it stuck with me yeah that that tiny bit of weight mattered and yet later when I was doing all this healing work with my body um and started gaining weight um fairly rapidly about maybe about maybe about 25 pounds not that it matters um then I was like oh do I care if my body is thin what what's coming up for me here why is this shifting it was never about like Eating food to make me thin. It was more about eating food to make my body be healed from the pain I was experiencing. But then I realized, wow, there's some shit. There is some shit here about thinness and about valuing thinness. And I had to unlearn all this fat phobia. Have you had like experience with that fat phobia and like, I don't know, that just recognizing maybe where you thought you were, but then being like, holy shit, that's not where I am.
1: <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Um, and I think fat is fat is such an interesting word to me. Um, because I think we like to use it as a label encompassing a person, similar to a lot of other things that trigger shame, like fat, like that person is fat. No, that person is a person who has fat on their body. And like fat is useful and helpful. And I think we need to destigmatize having fat on our body. Like everybody has it. It's healthy to have fat. Also, I have I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Um, I feel like the thing that I keep coming back to right now is being a nurse. One, there's a lot of ways that fatness or having fat shows up in the healthcare field that is wild. Talking about BMI, it is awful. Get rid of yep. BMI. If <laughs> anybody uses it, just trash it. Get rid of it right now. Um, like that is one way. Another way is so many people believe that being thin is healthy and it's not. I primarily work as a cancer nurse right now and we actively encourage our patients to stay the way they are or gain weight. We don't want them losing weight because losing weight when you have a cancer diagnosis can actually be like worse for you. And so I think there are a lot of ways that we have this idea of what is actually supposed to be good for our body, but like fat is good, fat is healthy, and we need fat to survive. And so I feel like if we can reframe our thinking to be like, no, fat isn't a label of me. It's not a shame label of me. It is something that I have, it is something that I need to exist. Like that will change so many things. Well, and but it's back to go <clears throat> ahead. Oh, just saying, and
0: it's a descriptive word, right?
1: Thin, yeah. tall,
0: short, fat. It doesn't have to be this kind of like, ugh, you know, but like you said, we've put this, again, back to the societal norms, which is what we're talking about here, is like, we've put this label on it. Even like, you think about food, it's fat-free, it's da-da-da-da-da. I, for one, am actively looking for fats to include into my diet, avocados, olive oil, coconut oil, I mean, eggs, like, I'm looking for different ways to get fat into my diet, because our body needs that. And yes. I think that I, um, I used to equate I never thought, I guess like that being thin was healthy because I wasn't a thin body, but still didn't feel like I was healthy at all and did not have a lot of love for my body. And even I, I feel like at my thinnest, I was still trying to hide my body. Um, and it's so much, okay. I just have to say it's such a relief to be on the other side of that, where I can be in a bikini and not be like, oh my God oh my God, like I'm showing off my stomach. Like someone's seeing my stomach right now. Someone's seeing my arms. Someone's, you know, like all those things that were ingrained in me that like almost should be hidden. Um, Honestly, I think whether I, I think I didn't see myself as a person in a thin body. You know, it's like, you're never thin enough. Even though I wasn't trying to get thinner. It it was very confusing. Any, I look at photos and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's not what I saw.
1: Um, Well, it's interesting you say that because it's almost like we dehumanize people after they are certain like after they have a certain amount of fat on their body it's like they immediately get dehumanized and seen as less than especially in the medical field or especially when it comes to like relationships or societal attractiveness um where fat means in a certain way ugly which like it doesn't that's a false equivalency absolutely not we don't believe that but I'm saying like societally we were taught that fat means ugly and like absolutely not. Some of the most attractive people I know have a lot of fat on them. Like,
0: Well, I think also with that, what I feel like I was also taught was that there are certain health things that went with being fat that did, but those were not causations. They might just be a correlation. And I remember hearing a story, um, about a woman who was sharing this, that she went to the doctor, all of her numbers came back great, all of her blood work was great, and the doctor goes, okay, let's talk about your weight, there are um, two ways, you can either take pills or get surgery, and they were like, whoa, like, you just told me all of my numbers were great, you just told me all of my blood work was great, why do I need to lose weight?
1: Right, or even the inherent assumption by the doctor that that, that person want to. wants to lose weight. Yeah, right.
0: It's, it's an obsession that I feel, it's honestly, I'm over here like conspiracy theorizing because I just think that <laughs> the powers that be don't want us to focus on what's actually really important and they just want us to obsess about our weight. And I I do, and again, I'm not a man, so I can't speak to this, but I feel like a lot of it's put on women. The beauty industry, it's multi-billion dollar industry placed on women to not age, to their bodies never change, to bounce back to be exactly who they were before they had kids, which by the way, whether your body changes or not, you're not the same person. Once you become a mother, it changes who you are. And that's okay. And I think there's just this pressure that we need to like waste. I've seen people waste, I don't want to say waste their lives, but waste years focusing and obsessing about what they weigh and trying to change it. And I I don't always think that the health and wellness industry is helping this. I Even just yesterday, I saw something that was like, Oh, try this guilt free snack as if there's any guilt to be attached to any food at all.
1: Period. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like,
0: yeah. Food is not good or bad. Food has high nutrients and some food has low nutrients. Like, and as someone who was obsessed with healthy, quote unquote, healthy eating for Mostly because I was trying to heal my body's physical illnesses that turned into, after a time, orthorexia, which is a, to put it very, very lightly, an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating, where it would get to the point where it's like, I wouldn't eat anything that wasn't, you know, not organic. If I go to a party, I just wouldn't eat or I'd walk into my kitchen and I would be like, everything in here is literally going to kill me. I can't eat anything. And some of that started with doctors and so, you know, and then it just went on and on and on and it lay, layered. And I do think that we're going to see a lot more of that um, coming forth. And I, I'm going to say it, I mean, I'm part of the spiritual community, but as part of the spiritual, quote unquote, health and wellness communities talking about food in a way that is shaming.
1: Yes. And on top of that, if we want to get into health, Let's talk about the amount of stress that it causes because long-term stress is so bad for you and chronic stress, which if you were thinking nonstop about, you know, how much fat you have, what you were putting in and out of your body, that's so stressful. And that takes up so much mental space and energy that can be better used for other things. And not to mention the fact that that chronic stress is worse for your health than any kind of the amount of fat that you have on your body.
0: It's interesting. I remember like kind of a big turning point for me was um, so after I was like, whoa, I have this eating disorder. I'm not going to do that anymore. I need to make sure I'm eating enough and getting enough of fats, proteins and carbs is basically what I focused on. And at that point, I'd cut out so many things. I went to a family party and um, at that point, I was still wearing a lot of the clothes I'd had, even though uh, my body had shifted and I was starting to move up in sizes. Um, I was still able to wear some of those clothes and I was wearing a dress at a party and someone goes, I have to ask, are you pregnant? And, um, I don't even want to share my exact response because it was actually very rude to me. And I had to contemplate why I responded that way. Um, but what I wish I would have said, well, no, anyhow, <laughs> I, <laughs> my point is I had a session with my coach after that, like literally like maybe the same day. And I said, I was hurt by that because she was like, well, you're holding your stomach and da da da. wait, whatever. And I was like, I'm holding my stomach because that's like safety for me, you know? And, um, and I was just like, I, no matter what I realized in that moment that I wanted to love myself, love my body and love who I was, no matter what my weight was. I was like, if I gain 500 pounds tomorrow, or if I, lost both my legs or if I couldn't speak or whatever it is, if my body's abilities changed, if my body's weight changed, if my hair went gray tomorrow, whatever, I wanted to love myself. I realized that in that moment that no matter what my body was doing or being or able to do or what it looks like, I wanted to love myself. And so therein went that full trajectory. I was like, that's happening for me now. I want to love myself. And of course it wasn't a one and done. And it's, it's always a work in progress, especially as new things pop up. But I don't want to be someone who's talking badly about my body because my body, like we're partners, like we're partners in this, like it's, uh, it's almost like its own being that I talk to like, Hey girl, what do you need? Oh, you're hungry. I better feed you before I do this work. You know, I better make sure we're drinking enough water. Oh, you're thirsty. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to drink. Thanks for reminding me. It's like a partnership. Yes. What, ab- what about like with your own body and your own experiences I know with the recent surgery and like how that shifted things for you with your body and your relationship with your body
1: well I feel like it was interesting because there was some grieving that had to happen that I didn't I didn't fully expect that I did a lot of prep like I play a lot of sports so injuries are always a possibility um so after I injured my knee I tore my ACL and my meniscuses I had to get surgery And so I think there was some grieving that had to be done around, you know, exercising. But I don't think, I think the biggest thing that came up was me losing my ability to exercise, which is a huge coping mechanism for my mental health. And so I think that's the thing I missed the most. Although my body gained some weight um, and I added some fat, I think I'm still proud of my body for the way that it is healing and growing and recovering from this. Um, And not to say that every setback has a lesson, but like I learned through this that like, I need to be able to rely on others and learn to love my body in all the ways, shapes and forms that it comes. And so um, I think it took some time for me to like, look down at my scar and be like, that's okay. Um, and to just love it for being healed and being able to do things again. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that's still something I'm processing like every day, but, um, I don't know. I think more than anything, it's just pride for my body. And also it made me really have so much gratitude for everything that my body enables me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. I wanted to ask you, going back to what you're saying, I feel like there's such this culture of like pe- people thinking that they are able to comment on other people's bodies.
0: Yes. Again, societal norms.
1: Yeah, where people think they can comment on whatever they want. And I I don't know. Do you have thoughts? Yeah, opinions, things I do, to say?
0: specifically around asking someone if they're pregnant because maybe i had been trying but couldn't get pregnant maybe i had lost a baby maybe my body's changing because my body's changing and it's none of your damn business but she has no (laughs) idea what my relationship is with what's going on in my body so why ask that question that could be really confronting for a lot of people and it was and i honestly reached out to people and i women and i was like have you ever been asked if you were pregnant and a lot of them said yes and they weren't yeah but also if i was pregnant and not ready to tell anyone That would be my business. So it was a very confronting thing. And again, there was like healing on both sides to be done, but it did help me again, that opportunity and the obstacles. It helped me to realize I want to love my body no matter what. Yes. And it was, you know, you you brought up that grief piece about when our body changes and like grieving that. But I think part of that sadly comes from the fact that we are not... We are not even prepared for our body to change, even though it does. And we know because we know what a baby looks like and we know what our grandparents look like. And that's different, but we're not taught that it's okay for our bodies to change. And literally you can see this, especially with people who are having babies being told that their body needs to go back to their pre-baby weight or their pre-baby look or whatever. You just grew a human child.
1: Right. Let's focus on our baby.
0: Like, let's focus on our new life, not focusing on what our body is looking like. And I, I've interviewed, um, Rosie, she's in an earlier podcast episode and she's a big on body neutrality and raising her kids to be body neutral. And that was kind of where it came up for her was when she had had her children and she realized she was focusing so much on, this is just one piece of her story, but just focusing so much on her diet and what her body looked like. And was like, this is taking away from my life with my children. Right. And it takes away from everything because when we're putting our focus on how we can change our body in this moment, we're not focusing on the moment, right? We're thinking about the future, how we're going to look in that photo, how we're going to be at that. Am I going to be able to hike in 10 years? I don't know, right? And it's funny that you also, not funny, it's interesting because, you know, you talked about exercise as being such a great, like, it's a coping mechanism for you and like kind of learning that and really addressing that. Um, which I don't think that's necessarily, I'm not saying that's healthy or unhealthy. I think it's good to recognize these things. And as someone who is currently in the midst of struggling to even walk two miles, because that's the ability of my body, it's sometimes triggering for me when I see everyone talking about, get out and run a 5K, get out and do this exercise, move your body, do this, do that. It's Walk 10,000 steps a day. I cannot walk 10,000 steps a day right now. I mean, I could, but I would just be in more pain. And so it's really like, okay, but what it's also like, what movement can I do? That feels good. And literally maybe it's just like breathing breath work. That's moving your body. Like everyone has different abilities. And so for me, like when I see that I, I um, (laughs) am, it's an interesting for me to be like, okay, this is just showing me where I'm at. And I'm really happy that running a 5k is great for them. And Kelly, it's also okay that your body can't run a 5k. But also I think what it does for me is like stresses me out. I love hiking. So I'm like, oh my God, am I never going to be able to hike again? Am I da 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 That's where my anxiety goes. Yes. Well, no, Kelly, it's going to be okay. You're still going to be able to go in nature, whatever that looks like, you know? And But I literally go to 50 years from now and I'm like, if I'm in pain now in my 30s, am I going to be in like crippling pain when I'm in my 70s? Like my husband and I wa- have all these dreams about, you know, through hiking and all that. What's that going to look like? Will I be able to do that? Whoa. Whoa, Kelly. It's like, slow down come back where are you grateful for your body right now you know you you got to vacuum today that's fucking exciting you folded all the laundry yeah maybe you're maybe you're having pain but you still did it you're still okay you're still generally happy like you know contented and like enjoy where can you be grateful for the abundance your body does have the ability to use your legs maybe you can't walk 2 miles some people cannot walk yeah you know and i and i don't want to compare what my body can do to others but It really is perspective. Like I can do so much more than I think I can do. And when I go downstairs, I'm like, I'm so glad that you can go down these stairs or I see my body in different shapes and I'm like, wow, I can put my legs in weird places. Like,
1: yes. does
0: that all make sense?
1: A hundred percent. I have so many thoughts from that. I feel like one, it goes into the importance of necessitating that there's no black and white and that any kind of advice needs to be taken into what it might mean for you and yourself yes filtered through what's
0: the best for me
1: correct any kind of blanket advice in general is not going to apply for everyone and so if it doesn't feel right to you it's probably not like reflect make sure that that's going to feel good for you um especially with other abled or me after my surgery or disabled bodies there's only so much energy and this also goes into mental health too um with energy but there's only like so much that we have the energy that we have the motivation that we have whatever kind of I'm going to stick with energy in a day that we are able to do um there is a theory of spoons where people talk about waking up in a day and there are so many spoons that I have for a day and different activities require different levels of spoons and so you know when i had my acl surgery Reading a book on the couch didn't require that much spoons. In fact, it might give me some spoons, but, you know, walking like half a mile, that would exhaust me. That might take three quarters of my spoons for the day. And so it's kind of a factor of like, for other people, a walk might be completely energizing. For me, that might be the hardest thing I do in a day. And so kind of reflecting on what are the things that give you joy and energy? And then what are the things that are taking those away? And then kind of trying to balance that with your body in the present moment Mm -hmm. So, being mindful with your body, being like, okay, this is all that my body has to give me right now. That is okay. And then accepting that and going forward with that. I feel like that's really important. And not a lot of people are willing to give their bodies the grace and the gratitude that they need to kind of move forward and continue loving and going about life without excess stress and you know, body negativity.
0: Yeah. There's so much there to be said about non-judgmental towards ourselves and other people. And two, two things to that. One, when we are judging other people, there's something that we're not allowing ourselves to see in ourselves generally,
1: Mm.
0: you know? And so like, if we're talking poorly about someone's arms and how they look, well, does that mean, what do we think about our arms or our whole body? Like, how we think that we can show up. Are we not allowed to be seen? Like there's, this doesn't necessarily have to go tip or tap. Oh, I, I don't like my arms. Cause I don't like her arms. Maybe it has to do with being seen, but yes. the other part too, is just like, gosh, I don't know that this is, it is like such a big, <laughs> there's so many things obviously that we're taught over the whole thing, right? Like it's not just about physical body. It's not just about it's, you know, mental body and also just what we can do. And I think there's this, um, there's this woman I've been really into <laughs> on TikTok. She's called Not the Worst Cleaner. Okay. And she goes, she does all these free cleanings. She's got like so many hundreds of thousands of followers. And I, and it's about like, she, and she has a background in psychology. And so she understands like the people whose homes get to a, such a state that she goes in and does these free cleanings for them. Um, She does not judging them. She's not judging like they're lazy. They didn't clean their home. She knows that um, some of them have physical um, things that makes it so they can't clean as well. But also, some of them have you know some mental things that they're going through that it makes it so hard for them to clean. Yes. Why are we judging people? A by what their body looks like, by what their home looks like. Why are we judging people at all? And it's like, she's like, why do you guys? Why do you guys spend your time? Talking badly about the people whose houses I'm giving free cleanings for. She's like, these people deserve, deserve a clean space, just like all of you do. And it's so it, what I love about her. I really want to have her on the podcast because I'm like, obsessed <laughs> with it because I am. I do feel like our spaces can help us to boost our mood, to help us feel good and safe and creative and all the things. But also knowing that some people have the mental slash physical ability to clean and organize more than others do. And that's okay.
1: Yes. And then I think that also, there's also, I feel like a huge piece here with expectations where people will put expectations on what their body, what their space, what anything is supposed to quote unquote look like. There's no supposed to. Any kind of expectations we have around something we need to check because the judgment we are putting on to something because of the expectations we originally had are changing the way that we are experiencing it. Mm -hmm. So if we can reflect on our expectations and be like, hey, maybe this isn't actually how I think about this. Maybe it is easier or maybe it is harder or maybe it is going to be a shorter process or a longer process or whatever it might mean. If we can check those expectations, we can fully change our experience and, you know, get to a place where we are happier I think
0: Mm -hmm. that's I mean I think there's such a good reminder too because especially if you are like in the midst of like learning to love your body or in the midst of like I don't want to say health crisis but a flare-up of some sort or something new injury into your body where your body has changed either in shape weight or ability that you don't have to figure it all out There's really nothing to figure out. And if we can take it moment by moment and we can like literally, what if we just took it as like a gift, a love note from our body being like, Hey, just be present, you know? And, and just a little, yeah, just a little, little love letter to ourselves. Hey, Hey, you're tired right now in this moment. What are you going to do? Okay. I'm going to rest. Or you have a lot of energy. What are you going to do? Or, Hey, Kelly, your back is keeps giving out. You probably shouldn't go on the two mile hike that you really wanted to go on today. What can you do instead? Okay. You can still go out in your backyard and have a fire and yes. enjoy yourself. But for me, where it becomes a problem is when I take that love note, I light it on fire and I say, you suck, Kelly. You can't go on a hike. Your life's going to be ruined forever. And I make it mean something about who I am and what I can do. Right. But when I just release it, I'm not, you know, that's a great practice for me as being like, you know what, I had all these things on my list. I really wanted to do this laundry. How can I do this laundry in a way that's going to feel okay for my body or be okay with the fact that I'm in a little bit of pain and that's okay?
1: Yes. Huge. Well,
0: I can I can ask my husband to please carry the laundry down and back up and then I can sit down and I can fold it and I can take breaks and I can go slow and I can do whatever to integrate this piece that as where, you know, on the other side of that, again, what society has told us is like, we need to have a clean house to be worthy. We need to have... Fit thin bodies to be worthy. I think all of it ties back to worthiness when the state of my house doesn't make me worthy. The state of my body does not make me worthy. I'm just worthy because I'm worthy.
1: That's a word. We could finish the podcast right there.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think you and I could probably talk about this for like 27 hours. So, yes. but I mean, we were just touching on like some of the societal norms. And well, we've we've touched on a lot, but like, cause there are any other like big ones that you can think of right now? I mean, there's so many and we were just like flowing, but
1: I feel like there are so many. I feel like we, (laughs) we touched on so many points in this podcast, but I think you, I think you wrapped it up well, it is about worthiness and it is about acceptance and gratitude and grace. So I guess that's a reminder for all of our listeners. Like you are worthy. You are enough. You are whole. Mm-hmm. You are loved. You are strong. Like yep. all the things. Just you because are you all are the things at once, right? Right. And
0: you said the Not word strong. Not because of what you
1: did. Yeah.
0: Right. The word strong people usually associate with like, how much can I lift? What can I do physically? But no, you know what I mean. Like, like we all are already those things. Just because that's what because we are. We're already worthy and enough. And I think that if you move forward with that. That's going to be amazing for you. And I, I'm i going to link in the show notes. I think visibility is important, which means following people who have different bodies and different abilities and different looks and yada, yada, because we don't just need to be seeing one thing, which is, I think, mostly what the media wants us to see. And we can choose what we expose ourselves to um, and who we expose ourselves to. And um, I will link some people who were really integral for me in being able to show up And share what my body looks like online normally without sucking in my stomach and turning a certain way. Just be like, yeah, I have a stomach. I have arms. Yep. This is what I used to look like. This is what I look like now. It's cool.
1: Yes. that was. I feel like that was a huge part of my healing as well was, you know, flipping my Instagram to follow people with bodies that look like mine and not fitness influencers who have, you know, the perfect six pack. Yes. And making my social media feel good for me. That was huge.
0: Yes. So and like we get to choose what we consume. We can be conscious consumers or not. And I think even within the beauty industry, like I'm not going to follow someone who's talking about like getting rid of all of our wrinkles all the time. And like that aging is scary and sad. You know, aging can be really beautiful and can you know. And as and as a woman too, as we go from that you know maiden mother crone like kind of life <laughs> And again, like even looking. God, that's a whole other topic. Pre menopause, <laughs> menopausal, whatever. What we're taught about all of these things, it doesn't have to be true for us. We can unlearn it and do what feels right for us. Well, thank you for coming on and having this conversation with me.
1: Yes, Um, Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, you're the best. All right, connect soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I would love to connect with you further. You can find me on Instagram at The Earth and Spirit Witch or on my website. And if you love this episode and feel called to do so, I invite you to share it with someone or leave a review so that others can find this podcast too. Sending so many blessings your way.